This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Well, Olverston, the 35-room Thurman family home nestled in Dunedin's town belt, has uh, been host to an increasingly diverse range of public and private events over the past couple of years. This year's no exception. Classical recitals and readings are particularly well suited to this grand but intimate setting. And much more. Jeremy Smith, manager at Olverston, joins me now to preview some of the upcoming events. Thanks uh, for coming and joining us this morning, Jeremy, on this lovely Dunedin morning with the sunshine out. Welcome. Jeremy, uh, we must also talk about another uh, of your achievements, you having been just awarded a Heritage and Arts Scholarship to attend the Attingham Trust Summer School in England, so we will talk about that. Uh, but first, we've spoken before about your desire to share more widely the uh, the Olverston experience by creating opportunities uh, outside of the kind of standard home tour. And... Um, you know, that's been going quite well for you. Before we kind of talk about a couple that are coming up, maybe you could reflect on some of the, the more interesting and unusual events that have happened in Olverston over the last year or so and how, how they've gone for you. Well, we've been programming a number of things, um, primarily reflecting and looking at what the house would have done in its history. Um, so home entertaining around the Thiermann's Grand Piano or... Um, other musical events, functions that would have happened at the time, but then also trying to make the house relevant in a local context. So um, this year was the third in a row of our garden parties. The first two kind of had this Edwardian theme, bring your own picnic and enjoy garden games from the era, whereas this this year, um, earlier in March, we kind of looked at... Um, our position within the local community. So together with um, a local um, heritage group who have kind of formed together to kind of look after the Royal Terrace, Pitt Street, um, Cobden Street, sort of Harriet Row area, um, we hosted a neighbour's garden party, which was basically an opportunity for the local community long-term residents, short-term students, owner-occupiers and real estate sort of moguls who own and and operate in the sort of precinct to kind of gather and get together and sort of, again, sort of reflecting on the tradition of the Thiermann's home as one of those sites where, you know, Mrs. Thiermann's day when she hosted her at homes and they kind of, the community gathered and they solved problems about dysentery and child welfare and poverty it's again, it's a slight extension of that, but again, drawing it back to the fact that we do sit in this community, um, the vast majority of the people who visit the house are tourists, um, be them local or national or international tourists. They come on the one hour tour. These, like the recitals, the garden parties, the um, 70th or 80th birthday parties, are opportunities where the house can engage locally and people return to the house and perhaps see and experience parts of the house that they either didn't know existed or didn't have the opportunity the first time they came. The drawing room has been the uh, the venue for a number of recitals. How do you set it up? What's the kind of capacity there? So we can seat about 50. Mm. Um, the For those who've been to the the house, the drawing room in particular is, is packed um, with very upright, severe furniture and um, knick-knacks, decorations. 
So most of the most of the things on the wall, like all the artwork, remains in place, but the furniture, the carpets, um, objets d'art are scattered around other parts of the house for their security. But they also give us the space then to lay out um, about fifty seats. Um, generally, the drawing room is the site for recitals that use the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, we have on occasion done recitals in the Great Hall, and we do the similar kind of thing. We can seat 50 in there as well. But if the piano is going to be used, then the drawing room's the most obvious site. Um, if it's not, then it becomes a huge white elephant sitting in the middle of the room because <laughs> we can't actually move it somewhere else. Yeah. Do, do you allow refreshments on there? I mean, can that work, or is that just too much? We do... Um, we have the drawing room, which is a basement space, which is dedicated to art exhibitions or a reception venue, should we host anything in the house. But for all sorts of reasons, um, we don't permit food or drink in the kind of museum areas. Yeah. So they're the, the 18 public rooms that are furnished with the, the theme and collection. Um, so if we do events, you know, people retire to the drawing room which is essentially once the theremin's washing person had completed the daily washing chores, they'd have hung them in to dry in the drying room with its radiators and sort of boiler to keep it warm. It's a very plain room, so it's a nice... um, It's sort of the antithesis to the rest of the house, which is very packed. Mm. The, The drying room is kind of remarkably plain in its utilitarianism. Well, you have another recital coming up this week. Tell us about uh, The Piano Man. So Matthias The Piano Man is, um, from his PR, um, that dude that busks at the wharf in Queenstown. <laughs> um, he, his real name is Matthias. He's a, a Belgian um, living in Queenstown. Um, his history is kind of interesting. He was a waiter and sort of working in the kind of hospitality industry in Queenstown. Um, unfulfilled in, in sort of many respects of that kind of life and so decided to go and buy himself a second-hand piano in a junk shop um, and taught himself to play. Um, and he has been performing at the Quay in Queenstown on his battered upright um, piano. Um, he composes, he writes, uh, he performs his own music and this year, or earlier this year, I should say, um, Olverston was approached along with a number of other venues in the South Island because Mr. Teo wanted to take himself on tour. Um, so in addition to Omaru and Invercargill and I think Wanaka and, and a number of sort of northern South Island towns, um, on the 7th, which is Thursday, he's playing at Olverston. Um, but as opposed to his other venues at the... Omaru um, Opera House, he is not performing on his beaten up old um, upright piano, but he's playing on the Alveston Steinway. So that's, for him, that's a really kind of exciting opportunity because he's never actually played on a um, concert sort of reputable piano. So he's really interested by that. And I'm fascinated to see if and what changes to his program that musical instrument makes. Sounds like an interesting character. Should be a wonderful performance. I'm sure people who have been through Queenstown of, uh, in, in recent years will, might well have come across him. And like you say, a very different environment for him in the drawing room at Olverston. This Thursday night, 
Six o'clock, things get underway, and tickets still available, Jeremy? Uh, There are a number of tickets still available. Um, They have been selling quite quickly over the weekend, and I think as we get closer to the event, then it will sell out. Well, we're very excited to learn that Opera Otago will be presenting two intimate operas at Olverston later in the year. Tell us about those. So John Drummond uh, approached me with an idea some time ago. Um, They, in addition to performing large-scale productions at the Mayfair and various theatres in town, have also been developing and revisiting the chamber opera, the kind of smaller scale that would have traditionally been done in the cases of um, Gilbert and Sullivan inside private homes. Mm. And it offers audiences and performers a very different opportunity um, to present similar works. Most of them are kind of very much scaled back, but it's a very intimate environment and perhaps more in keeping with where some of the particularly English operas would have first been developed, which weren't cast of thousands and the tigers in the case of the Baida and so forth, but it's very much about the singer, the musician, the communication of that story um, and a sort of essence of opera. Um, So we're really excited that we'll be presenting um, Dear Maurice, um, which is music by John Drummond, and that's um, a two-handed work. Um, Dr. Chow keeps receiving letters from Flora to Maurice, but who is Maurice is essentially the story. So it's about a 45-minute piece, um, and then that's followed by Minotti is the telephone. Um, And Ben and Lucy, the characters in that, would have this perfect relationship if the telephone would stop ringing. Um, So, again... I think there will be a, a really addition, a really exciting addition to our program. Again, looking back in the Thiemann's era, pre-television and other home entertainment, then sitting around the, the piano or listening to stories or recitals. This this returns back to some of the history and origins of the house. What a fantastic opportunity for fans of opera and those who are new to it alike. I mean, just the novelty of this, uh, this wonderful experience, I'm sure, will attract many. Now, you have performances between the 8th and the 10th of April. Again, 6 p.m. starts. I'm really interested in this. This, of course, enables you to go to a wonderful show and then, oh, perhaps we'll stick around in town and go for dinner or have a wee drinky-poo. This is intentional, is it, to have it at this kind of time for that Yeah. Reason? One of the things, again, I'm, I'm kind of interested by... Um, and looking at particular evening events at Olverston is for all sorts of reasons we wouldn't ever present a kind of three-hour spectacular and, and just scale is, a, is a, um, a challenge for us. But again, that tradition of evening entertainments, particularly as we come into winter, it's getting darker, but it's, it's a sort of beautiful time to visit the house Generally, the sun is still shining. It's kind of still only warm, but then it does give you the opportunity to attend other events around town or, as you say, um, step into town and, and take a beverage in the local um, octagon or perhaps even go and see another performance at mm. somewhere like the Regent. Yeah. Just $40 a ticket for uh, for the Opera Otago uh, experiences at Olverston, and you can hop online, www.olverston.co.nz, or pop into Olverston to get yep. tickets there. Tickets available from reception.
Now, tell us about the Clark Collection Scholarship that you have been awarded, Jeremy. So the Clark Collection Scholarship is um, an initiative of uh, a Wellingtonian, um, Errol Clark, um, and administered through Museums Aotearoa. They essentially put a call out to the museum, art gallery, historical society world uh, in New Zealand um, for people basically to um, make an expression of interest as to why they should attend this course. Um, the Attington Summer School is um, run by the Attington Trust, uh, which is an educational facility in the UK. And one of its primary drivers is offering professional development opportunity for people around the world who work in museums, but with a particular interest in the concept of the English country house. So historically, in the 16th and 1700s, when those enormous mansion houses were being cultivated in the UK, surrounded by the estate which employed many people in the village and all the industry that went on around them, the heads of those houses were also um, heads of, in many cases, international multi-million dollar enterprises. So they would be running plantations or um, shipping sort of circuits around the world. And that tradition in some in many cases, um, continues. There are many, many properties, particularly in the UK, run by the National Trust or English Heritage, but many on the course that we visit are still held by the private owners, so Lord and Lady or the Duke and Duchess, and, and they run these houses as tourist attractions, education facilities, um, on a much grander scale than than places like Olverston, but many of the concerns there, um, interests around communicating the histories of the houses, the histories of the people who occupied them, are very similar to ours. And also, from a museum's perspective, how you conserve the collections, how you maintain them in the best possible environment, whether you're rotating pillowcases or you buy props and it's it's more a conversation in some ways about the many different models that people are using around the world. And with that, it's an opportunity for people like myself working in these places to get the opportunity to talk to experts in their field about the best modes of conservation or preservation around textiles and metals or sculptures. or um, But in quite interesting museum environments where things are not held in storage facilities in the dark and temperature controlled, but you're actually surrounded by members of the general public who are walking on the carpets and the minimising the opportunities for them to kind of just discreetly take a feel of what the wallpapers feel like. So <laughs> we all share very similar concerns. Mm. So the course visits about 19 different properties. Um, and they're a mix, as I say, of privately held but also um, public institutions. And it's an opportunity to kind of really get under the surface from a um, – it's really a busman's holiday for people who work in those environments to get a 
a really exclusive, I suppose, insight into operations, how they run, how they, how the sort of professionals in those worlds work. For someone working in your field, this must be an exciting opportunity. You're looking forward to departing. How, when do you go and how long are you away? Um, the course commences on the 30th of June. Um, we meet in London and then we travel by train down to Attingham. Um, the course itself is 20 days, um, seven days a week. Um, it is an organised coach tour, so it's a mix of residential staying in the properties but then also in accommodation kind of attached to them. And it's, it is a study programme, so there's lectures and seminars and talks and be them guided talks or just, you know, here's a collection of materials and these are the concerns. But some of the houses have quite fascinating historical histories in terms of the Duke and Duchess of Marlborough and their kind of exquisite apartments and their um, amazing gardens. But also many of them have faced sort of quite severe um, trauma in recent years. So one has been quite badly gutted by a fire. So that part of the, of the course is really looking at how they've now got it back up and running and the restoration works that's gone in in there and the replacing you know, many of the items that were lost in the fire or returning some items of cleaning and, and sort of conservation concerns. So it's a really interesting mix of um, sort of conversations. Do you have any outstanding kind of quandaries, issues, ideas in relation to Alveston that you're hoping to come back uh, better equipped to deal with? Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a number that we have um, and similar concerns to many museums around the world. I mean, in the, in the context of um, the Canterbury earthquakes, um, we, like many museums around the world, suddenly had this wake-up call in terms of, oh, what about these things sitting on mantelpieces that could actually wobble and fail? And again, the, the sort of one thought is, well, museum wax everything onto its surface and therefore you can secure it and you can nail into the walls. In places like Olverston, in some cases, the porcelains that are sitting on the table, the table is far more valuable and would therefore kind of have potential um, incidents of damage should said object be stuck. But then what if we move it into another room? That object then kind of loses um, a context. In many people's worlds, these are very kind of minor issues and concerns, but in order to try and keep the authenticity of the house and the the story as coherent as possible, then it's really looking at as many different options as we can to preserve and, and conserve our world. Um, we have a lot of textile-based wall coverings in the Great Hall, for example, the Hessian sacking. Um, parts of it have, have been not badly damaged, but damaged by sunlight um, prior to intervention methods um, being put in in the sort of 1980s, 1990s, which have cut down the UV levels. But then if you move a painting, you're left with the unblemished um, wall covering behind. But it's also been... Um, 
the victim of people's love of the house, as I say, people wandering through and having a, a little bit of a feel to feel what that material feels like. And slowly but surely, you know, those fabrics and those threads are becoming kind of weaker and weaker. We had perspex um, over much of the um, area in the Great Hall that's in um, touching distance, shall we say, of the general public. Mm. But in other cases, what's happening, you know, dust is getting behind there, so we need to take them off and clean them. So it's looking at what the best best practice is in maintaining the house into its, you know, good a quality and condition as possible. Well, it will be, I'm sure, a highly educative experience for you, but also, I imagine, a really enjoyable one. There must be some homes that you're particularly looking forward to seeing. Any any that you can kind of name now that you were just really thrilled to be able to uh, to walk into? Uh, um, two in particular. Um, Chatsworth, I visited when I was probably about eight or nine with my parents. Um, I have no memory of the house whatsoever other than falling in the rainbow trout pond as a child. <laughs> um, and I have a, a memory of... Looking back over said rainbow trout pond and seeing the building in the distance, but I cannot remember anything about it. So the opportunity to go back in, um, and also High Clear, which is the setting of Downton Abbey, is also one I'm really interested to go and have a look at in terms of the differences that having seen it on film and then the realities of that set, um, but also the opportunities to go and look in the private apartments of some of the people who still own these places and have that opportunity to talk to them about their concerns and their properties. Um, so it should be a really exciting trip. Well, Jeremy Smith, uh, manager of Olverston, congratulations on the scholarship. Um, thank you for joining us today. All the very best for your trip and also uh, for the upcoming performances that we've spoken about earlier on uh, this morning. Don't forget you can uh, catch um, Matthias, the piano man, at Olverston on Thursday and uh, Opera Targo's uh, performances at uh, Alveston between the 8th and the 10th of April. All the very best. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Thank you. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.